Super sick. Intercourse. Condoms. Sexually transmitted infection. HIV. HIV. Sexual health. Treatment. Condoms. Sexual interaction. Sexually transmitted infection. Sexual health. Specialist. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tom and this is the Sydney Sexual Health Centre podcast where we discuss all things related to sexual health. My guest today is Douglas Knox. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks Tom, it's a pleasure to be here. Douglas has been working in the HIV response here in Sydney since the mid-90s. He's approaching retirement and so I've invited him onto the podcast today to share some of his stories and experiences from his career. As people may have guessed from your accent, you weren't born in Australia. Can you tell us what it was like uh, growing up in Scotland? Yep, okay. Um, it, it, it was very different, obviously. Um, in many respects, obviously the weather is one of the, the biggest respects. Um, cold, wet and miserable. Um, and then moving to a lovely warm climate like um, Sydney. But it was, it was also a time, I suppose, in the 70s and 80s um, when... Homosexuality was still illegal in Scotland. Um, There's certainly no gay rights. Um, and really HIV um, and sexual health wasn't on my um, radar at all at that stage. Uh, what prompted your move to Sydney? Um, my brother, um, when he left university, he was two years older than me, um, when he left university, he decided to hitchhike around the world um, and spent nearly two and a half years hitching um, and got to Sydney and just never left. Um, and that was in the days when there were sometimes amnesties for visas and so he just was able to stay. Um, so I was able to, I was at that stage um, a teacher in Scotland um, and so I had the long summer holidays so I would come out here um, and visit him and each time I came out I liked it more and more. Um, I disliked what was happening in, in the UK at that time, it was the sort of the Thatcher years. She introduced Clause 28 which sort of repressed any education around um, gay lifestyles. So I was curious about what Section 28 was, and I had to look it up. Turns out it was something that the Thatcher government implemented in England, Wales and Scotland in 1988. Children who need to be taught to respect traditional moral values are being taught that they have an inalienable right to be gay. All of those children are being cheated of a sound start in life. Yes, cheated. It stated that people shall not intentionally promote homosexuality or publish material with the intention of promoting homosexuality. Sounds like something more akin to what's happening in Russia right now. Pretty scary, huh? It wasn't repealed in Scotland until the year 2000. Um, and it was just time for me to move away from a small town, Scotland, to something more interesting. Mm -hmm. And I guess Sydney was definitely. And Sydney was that, was it? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it, it had the gay lifestyle and it had the sun, so it was a, a double win for me. In Scotland, Douglas was a primary school principal, but that all changed when he came to Sydney. Um, and when I, when I arrived in, in Sydney, um, I thought I would probably carry on teaching. 
um, and got some supply work. Um, and it was very different. I had come from a, a smallish country school where every child had two parents who loved them and it was all very, very easy. There was no discipline issues at all. Came into Sydney and as a supply teacher or relief teacher was put into some of the more difficult schools where it was difficult to get teachers. Um, and it was all about discipline and just trying to keep control. And that's not what I was in teaching for. Um, so I started to look around. I started to work for a, an organisation called D4, which was Darlinghurst um, Childcare and Family Support Service. So I ran the, the childcare service for them for about 18 months. And while I was doing that, I sort of decided that I wanted to get involved in some way in um, giving back to the gay community or the, the developing HIV community at that stage. Um, and so went to ACON and offered to volunteer. And the person at ACON who was in charge of volunteers at that time suggested that I um, work, do some work with the, the quilt project, the Australian AIDS Memorial Quilt Project. So I had to look this one up too. The Australian AIDS Memorial Quilt Project began in 1988, the same year that Section 28 was introduced in the UK. It provided a focus for the expression of community grief as the AIDS epidemic grew and was part of a worldwide movement to promote compassion, education and understanding about AIDS and its human toll. Here in Australia, the quilts are now kept at the Powerhouse Museum. Uh, I had three main projects really within um, the World Aid Today programme. One was doing a quilt tour. So we actually took, uh, or I took, blocks of the, the AIDS Memorial quilt, two or three blocks, um, out to schools in the rural New South Wales. So it was a wonderful opportunity for me as, as a newcomer um, to Australia and to New, New South Wales to actually get to know the, the, the state. Um, so I went, you know, right to the, to the far north, to, to uh, Kingscliff and places like that. I went down south, I went across the Hay Plain, went out to Dubbo, to Orange, to Broken Hill, Lightning Ridge, and every sort of small town in between, anywhere where there was a school, a secondary school. Um, I would roll up with my three blocks of the quilt. The quilt blocks that we took, I'm, I don't know whether everybody you know, that's listening to this really knows much about the, the AIDS Memorial quilt. It's basically, each block is made up of six panels, and each panel represents um, one person who had died of an age-related illness and was made by loved ones for them. And each panel was six foot by three feet, the sort of average size of a, a grave. Um, and so it, it's fairly confrontational when you see it laid out, um, these big 12 feet by 12 feet blocks, 3.6 metres by 3.6 metres. Um, and the ones that we chose were particularly interesting. So, you know, lots of sex, drugs and rock and roll was represented on the blocks. And so that immediately captured the, the um, attention of the, the students. Um, so I had no problems, I don't think, ever with um, the students I had one teacher that I remember who was very homophobic, religious background, didn't think I should be doing this, didn't think I should be talking to the kids about um, these sorts of subjects. Um, but because it wasn't his call, it was a, the, you know, the, the school principal's call, um, it went ahead. But he made his feelings known to me. And that was in Gloucester. 
Alongside the Quilt Project, there were some other initiatives designed to support the HIV workforce. Um, well, another of the projects within um, the World AIDS Day project um, was the the World AIDS Day Awards, and it, it, it was a time when there was a lot of burnout. Um, there had been people, you know, working, I suppose, from the from the early eighties, so and this was now into the mid nineties, um, and so it. Somebody, my boss, um, Colin Clues, had the idea that we should do some sort of award ceremony um, to recognise the. Um, the volunteer work particularly that was being done by so many people and so many organisations. Um, and so the World Age Day Awards were set up in with a couple of categories. So there was a service award of which we gave out about 100 awards each year. And these were nominated by area health services, now local health districts, um, by just about every organisation that was connected to the, the HIV um, response. So Positive Life, ACON, CSN, Matreya, um, right across the state. So there was all sorts of organisations, nominated people, and as I say, about 100 people got a service award each year. And then there was about six outstanding contribution awards given each year as well. And that was all done at, 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 at you know, an award ceremony, sort of almost in the sort of um, Oscars type, um, with fancy foods and in one of the nice um, venues in the city, um, free flowing champagne, um, and so on. Um, and it it gave something back to the people um, who were doing such an incredible um, amount of work for the the epidemic. I mean, we had a lot of, of really good input into those. I mean, from the area coordinators around the state um, for the HIV response, but also from people like Peter Pio from UNAIDS, Michael Kirby, um, Mary Bashir. Um, so the, the, a lot of these people came along and actually did the um, presentation of the awards, um, which gave it a lot more kudos. Another project that Douglas spearheaded was sexual health testing at 357. This was run in partnership with Sydney Sexual Health Centre and allowed gay men and other men who have sex with men to access sexual health testing on site at the sauna. Yes, yeah. Um, and this this came about um, I, during this 25 years period that I've been involved with the Heart Unit. I also had a, a, a move across to Western Australia at one point for a couple of years um, and worked with the West Australian AIDS Council as their education manager. And they were running a programme in the two saunas in Perth, um, a weekly clinic um, doing HIV and STI testing. They had volunteer GPs who came in and, and ran the programme. And I just thought that it was such a great programme um, and well utilised by um, the guys, both who were using the, the sauna, but also guys who were just coming in to get tested because they knew it was at the sauna and didn't particularly want to go to a GP surgery for the testing. Um, so when I came back to Sydney, um, I wanted to get something similar set up here. Um, I met with a fair bit of um, stonewalling in, in various um, areas um, from people who said, well, it's it's been tried here, it doesn't work. People in Sydney really aren't interested, the guys here are not interested in that, and in saunas and things. Um, and I just kept pushing, unfortunately, my manager at the time, um, Colette McGrath, um, really backed me on it um, and eventually 
we managed to get Sydney Sexual Health to, to come on board with it as well. Um, we did a lot of research in the various saunas and sexual premise venues here in Sydney as to whether guys would be amenable to having testing on site. Um, it appeared that yes, they would. Um, and 357 Sydney City Sauna um, was probably the one that was most, where the, the guys were most amenable and also had a, an incredibly strong management ownership team who were very much in favour of it. Um, and so they, they helped us to develop the project along with um, Sydney Sexual Health. Um, and we've now been running the programme for probably seven or eight years. Um, and it's, it's a programme where guys who are using sauna can just do some self-testing really easily. Um, they, they fill in a, a computerised form. Um, they do a, a pee in the jar. They do their own swabs, um, and that then all goes to pathology and Sydney Sexual Health deals with that side of it. Um, we did try for a period to also do blood testing, um, and it, it, it worked reasonably well, but it was um, manpower intensive, um, and so that was dropped after a, a couple of years. Um, what are some of the changes you've seen in HARP over the years? Um, I suppose the biggest change, because um, when I started, it was the HIV education unit, um, and then it developed into the HARD unit, H-A-R-D, um, which was HIV and related diseases. And then we sort of moved away from that same way that, that, that VD was dropped and it became STDs and then it became STIs. We, we dropped the disease focus. Um, and in more recent years, um, with the, the advances in um, HIV medication and, and treatment, um, we've probably moved into a broader sphere of looking at hepatitis and looking at the other STIs. Um, so a lot of our work now um, involves youth programmes, looking at chlamydia um, in, the, in the, you know, 16 to 29 age group where it's most prevalent. Um, and also doing a lot of work in, in both hepatitis C and hepatitis B. Um, so those are probably the, the, the biggest changes. And, and just the change in the general atmosphere around HIV. Some of the stigma has gone, although there is still too much there. Um, things like World AIDS Day, which you know was my baby for, for many years, um, and was very much about remembrance um, and celebrating the lives that we had lost. Um, and it's, to my mind, moved too far away. It's, it's now all about HIV testing, which is, I mean, HIV testing is very important, but it's a year-long thing. I still think that World AIDS Day um, should be celebrated as a commemoration of the, the lives that we've lost. So uh, thinking about the changes in the HIV response uh, from when you started working in the sector in the 90s uh, until now, what was the change that brought about the biggest impact for your work? It's interesting. I think probably the biggest single impact has been PrEP, the pre-exposure prophylaxis. Um, and the, the reason for that is that for so long, you know, in my education, uh, blinkered look at HIV, it was condoms, condoms, condoms. 
Um, and then uh, even, you know, when, when some of the other organisations were starting to look at other risk reduction strategies, um, you know, zero sorting and, and things like that, um, we were still very much um, from a local health district pushing the condom message. And it was really only when PrEP and U equals U um, came into to being that we stopped pushing um, condoms in the, in the same way. And I mean, really, I mean, it, it came home to me just at the weekend at um, Mardi Gras Fair Day. Um, we used to give out thousands of condoms every year. This year, I would doubt we even gave out 100. Um, so it, it, it's a really, really changed landscape as far as that is concerned. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think PrEP is fabulous. Um, and I think it has been a game changer, absolutely. Um, so I suppose some of the people listening to this podcast uh, might be interested in pursuing a career either related to HIV and sexual health or health promotion and public health more broadly. Mm. Uh, what advice would you give to people? Well, it's interesting um, because when I joined the, the, the sector, um, almost all the, the people who were involved were gay men who were involved because of, of the virus and, and the fact that it was um, hitting gay men mostly. Um, most of us didn't have a um, formal health promotion background or any um, other sort of health background. Um, and th- th- it has moved over the years so that almost everybody now who comes into the sector has a, a degree in, in health promotion or health science in, in some form or other. Um, so that would be the um, the main thing would be to get a, a health promotion, health science um, degree to start with. Um, but going along with that, because obviously there's a lot of people um, who are out there looking for the for the work, um, is to do some volunteer work with one of the organisations, whether it's Acon or Bobby Goldsmith Foundation or Positive Life, because um, it, it's just a great way to get into the sector to get to know what's going on and really to, to break down the, the stigma and discrimination that is still um, too prevalent. And uh, what are you going to miss most about working in the sector? <clears throat> the social aspect of it. Um, I have been really, really lucky over the 25 years that I've been in the HARP unit here um, and in the, the broader sector. The number of people um, who are just been fabulous to know um, I've really had very, very, very few people in the sector who were difficult to get on with um, or who caused problems. Um, I, I think it's been a great sector for that um, because everybody who has been involved was doing it because they wanted to be involved, not just because it was a job. Um, and so everybody was had, had the same sort of determination and the same outlook in life, same sort of social social trajectory um yeah i think that's what i will miss is is the um, camaraderie thank you douglas for joining us today to stay up to date with the latest information on sexual health you can follow us on facebook twitter and linkedin if you like the podcast don't forget to share and subscribe